This morning I want to speak about the three wise men, simply because I think they are fascinating characters and uh, we can learn a lot from their inclusion in the Christmas story. And if you think about the Christmas story big picture, there's actually no real reason why these guys need to feature in the Christmas story. I mean, hey, we could have still had the shepherds arriving, Mary and Joseph. They're really kind of these extras that simply arrive out of nowhere and are part of the Christmas story. But I believe their, their role in the story is significant, and, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. But before I talk about their significance, we need to find out who these people were, where they came from, and that kind of thing. So let's read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, so this is now a good period after the birth of Jesus, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And here's a quotation from the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. Interestingly enough, the star in the sky did not lead the Magi to find Jesus. That star just pointed them in the right direction. They still had to go searching. It, it wasn't plain sailing. Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. It's like now there's another sign, or it's the same sign in the heaven, or it's something different that leads them to the exact place where Jesus was. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream, they did not go back to Herod. They returned to their country another route. So who are these people who are called Magi? that we sing about the three wise men, we three kings from Orient are. Who are these guys? The first thing we need to rule out is that they are not magicians as in entertainers. Okay, They're not guys that do card tricks and cut people in half and you know, all that kind of stuff. 
the word magi comes from the same root word where we get the term magician from. But these are not magicians as in tricksters. These are sorcerers. These are astrologers. These are enchanters. These are the caster of spells. People skilled in secret arts. There are five words in the Hebrew Bible used to describe these people. There were a whole class of professionals back in the day who served in the courts of kings to advise and to do amazing things, to interpret dreams and the like. We read about Magi for the first time in the book of Exodus. When Moses goes to Pharaoh to tell him to set God's people free, Pharaoh needs some advice, so he calls his wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians, those that can do things by their secret arts. And you know there's that whole story of Moses throwing down his staff and it becomes a snake. But not to be outdone, the magicians can pull that one off too. But God outsmarts them all, and his staff eats their snake, which is a cool trick. <laughs> Again, the magicians show up in, in Acts 8, where there's the plague of frogs, and the magicians are able to replicate that miracle too in some way. So these are people that have explored the dark side of spirituality. This is who Magi are. They show up later at the plague of boils. They can't stand before Moses. They realize that it's God's power at work. The second place in the Bible that we read about Magi is in the book of Daniel, where King Nebuchadnezzar has a, a dream that he doesn't understand, a dream that disturbs him. His mind is troubled and he cannot sleep. Verse 2 of Daniel 2. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. There they are. That's the magi. And he calls them and says, this is so important to me. I need to know the interpretation of this terrible dream I've had. But I'm not even going to tell you what the dream is. You must tell me what the dream is and what it means. Which is a pretty tall order. And the Magi uh, go to their union, they're full of complaints, no one's ever demanded this, it's unreasonable, etc., etc. But back in the day, you just got killed if you didn't do what the king said. Uh, but that's when Daniel steps in and he is able to both explain the dream and say what it is. Another significant piece of information we need to grasp about the Magi is that what these guys were doing was forbidden by God. In Deuteronomy 18, we're told that when God's people were going into the promised land, there was to be nobody among God's people who practiced divination. That's doing tarot cards. That's throwing the bones. That's looking at the tea leaves. Nobody must practice divination, sorcery, interpret omens. Ooh, there's a bird. Now this means that. Engage in witchcraft. That's when you try to do things here on earth to influence the spirit world. Or cast spells or is a medium, a spiritist. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. 
That's who these magi are. They're experts in everything God has said is wrong and evil and bad. That's why the story of the magi showing up to worship Jesus is so profoundly awesome. In the New Testament, we also come across a few magicians. Acts chapter 13, there's a guy, a Jewish sorcerer, used to hang around with another guy called Bar-Jesus. His name was Elamas, and Paul curses him with blindness. And in Acts chapter 8, there's also this guy, Simon, who, who's also known as Magos, and bottom line, verse 10 of Acts 8, he'd amazed them for a long time with his magic. Every society and culture have had their sangomas, their healers, their shamans. And that's who the magi are. They're also excellent at astrology and astronomy. And one night, these guys were looking up at the night sky, and God gave them a sign that a king had been born in Israel. And there are many theories today, some quite elaborate, what that sign was, what was going on in the constellation. Some were saying it was a particular star that moved in a particular way. But whatever it was, these guys knew it was significant enough to go in a long, long journey to Israel. We're told they're wise men from the east. Church tradition tells us that these are their names. In all likelihood, they're from Persia. And I like to, to think of these people as people far from God. But yet they, they had a hunger for God. They were interested in spiritual things. And when God spoke to them, even in an outlandish way, they, they pursued the little light they had, the little revelation they had from God. They pursued that. And finally, they discovered Jesus. God's Word does say that He speaks through the stars. The heavens declare the glory of God. But it's only after consulting in Jerusalem with the chief priests and the scribes that they turned to God's Word and discovered that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Because general revelation, God speaking in, in unusual ways, only gets you so far when it comes to your journey to knowing God. That star in the sky pointed them in the right direction. It was enough to get them onto their camels and heading to Jerusalem. But it was only when they opened God's Word that they came to find Jesus. And so it is with us today. These guys also arrive when Jesus is a child, by the way. Um, where is that verse? Verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. There are uh, two Greek words. Uh, there's one for baby, 
and one for child. And it's the word child used here. So I think by the time the Magi arrived, Jesus was, was maybe already one. Maybe he was a toddler. Um, and that's why Herod tries to kill everybody who's two years of age because that's the kind of time frame that has already passed since the, the birth of Jesus. But isn't this an interesting story about these guys arriving to worship Jesus from far, far away? I want to wrap up this morning by simply pointing out what I believe the significance of the Magi are. Why do these people feature in the Christmas story? It's as though they're, they're an add-on. They're, they're not essential to the core of the Christmas story. So why are they there? Got any theories about that? I believe they're significant for these reasons. Number one, these men represent in the Christmas story people who are far away from God. Their very profession who they are is to excel in something that God considers an abomination. But yet God spoke to these men. And unlike the Jewish rel religious leaders of the day who had all the scriptures, they weren't showing up to worship, but these people who were far from God, living terrible lives... God in His grace nevertheless reached out to them and they showed up to worship Jesus. And I find that hugely significant. Jesus came to His own, the Jewish people, and they rejected Him. Obviously, the first church was, did consist predominantly of Jews. But as a nation, they didn't accept that Jesus was their Messiah, officially. But yet, here these guys from Iran, from the East, and yet they're there to worship Jesus. How did they get there? God spoke to them through nature, through creation, in an unusual way. But it was ultimately through looking into the Scriptures that they found Jesus. But what's significant about the Magi? They were obviously people who were seeking God. They were, they were magicians and sorcerers, but yet they still had a spiritual hunger. And God in His grace revealed Himself to these men. And that truly is amazing. Is it not? I believe their significance is also that God used these men to physically provide for His Son Jesus. Mary and Joseph were poor. They'd, they were going to have to flee to Egypt. They needed cash. And God made sure that they had some gold to see them through. And nobody in Jerusalem was going to give them any gold, it would appear. So God worked through these wealthy people from far, far away to come and give gifts of gold 
of frankincense and myrrh. Can you also imagine how encouraged Mary and Joseph must have been with their little toddler Jesus? You've got these, this foreign delegation coming on what's akin to a state visit. These men from the upper echelons of society, highly educated, highly regarded, high status, going on a long trip. And why? They've come to worship your toddler and to give gifts and to pay homage. That's very significant for them. And given all they'd been through, I'm sure it was very encouraging to Mary and Joseph. And finally, I believe the inclusion of the wise men, these magi in the Christmas story, it shows us that Jesus is worthy of all of our worship. Jesus is not just a Jewish Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. That's why the Jews, the shepherds, were there worshiping Him. But it was only fitting that there would be foreigners as well worshiping Jesus. And that's why men from afar came to worship. I see here a, a flashback to the visit of the Queen of Sheba to King Solomon to, to view his kingdom and to see how amazing it was. Here again, we have people coming from the east. Not a queen this time, but three kings, tradition tells us, to be part of the Christmas story. Jesus is the Savior of all mankind, all humankind. Not just Jews, but also Gentiles. Not just for the poor, for shepherds, but also for the rich and the educated. Also for people of other faiths and other religions. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And I love these guys. Because they obviously had hearts that were seeking after God. And I, I love this about God, that He was able to reach them, even in their, their sinfulness and their darkness. God reached out to them with His grace and included them for all of history in the Christmas story. Let's bring this really close to home. The presence of the Magi in the Christmas story reminds us that no one is too far from God to be brought to Jesus, to be saved. You might secretly be a sorcerer. It's not out of the question. You're not too far from God for Him to call you into His presence. It's a story about God's provision. And ultimately, it is a story about all people worshiping Jesus. And I hope that you're included in that category. Let's pray. Lord, this is such an interesting part of the Christmas story. And even though it didn't take place in the manger, in the stable rather, 
even though it took place some time later, it speaks to us, Lord, of your grace, your ability to reach people who are far from you and who are living sinful lives. Lord, the story speaks to us about how you're able to reach out to people in accordance with where they're at. The story speaks to us, Lord, about your ability to provide for us. It speaks to us, Lord, about how Jesus is the Savior of all humankind, not just for the Jews. And Lord, we too want to be found worshiping Jesus. And if we ourselves are far from you this day, give us a sign, lead us to the Scriptures, and may we too give ourselves in worshiping you. And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to close with a song, and then uh, that will be the end of our service. Thank you.